Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles tonight to Job, Job chapter 33, Job chapter 33, and just one verse. I just want to continue on and speaking on the breath of God. Uh, Job chapter 33 and verse 4, just that one verse, once we're there, uh, if you would stand just for the reading of God's Word tonight. Job chapter 33 and just that one verse, verse 4. Once you're there, if you'd stand, praise the Lord, and I'll read, I'll just read the Word of God tonight, amen. Job 33 and 4, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. Father, we just ask for a breath, Lord, that you would breathe, Lord, in this meeting. That you would breathe afresh into these lives, Lord. They belong to you tonight. And we just want, we hunger for that breath, the breath of God. Lord, would you just blow into this house tonight? Would you touch every single one of us? Lord, we just need you so much, Lord. Lord, we just ask, oh God, Lord, that you would just be glorified through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take our seats together. What a powerful verse. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. We looked at Genesis uh, 2 last week, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. If you want to follow these few verses, just looking at this uh, breath of God, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we see here in uh, the beginning of creation, that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Genesis 2 and 7 says, And he breathed into his nostrils the very breath of life, and man became a living soul. The breath of God, the mighty creator, the almighty creator. And you go over into the New Testament, just again, we looked and touched in these verses last week, but the Gospel of John Chapter 20 and verse 21, we see God incarnate in the flesh, Jesus Christ. After the resurrection, John 20 and 21, Jesus said unto them, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. John 20, 21. And 22 says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, the breath of God, the Holy Ghost, breathing, creating, and giving life. We need a breath. We need God to breathe. You know, I was just searching through all the references of when God has breathed throughout Scripture. It's so beautiful. But the next morning that you're up and you see the frost across the ground, Job 37 and 10 says, By the breath of God, frost is given. He's in His creation. He's everywhere. When you look, you'll see him. If you have eyes to see, you'll see him. The next time you see those fields and that hard frost, it's a beautiful sight. It's the breath of God. He's everywhere. We're without excuse. We see God in his creation. Job says, The Spirit of the Lord has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. Life. Thank God that we're new creatures tonight. We have been supernaturally created by an almighty God. 
that new creature, of course, if you turn over to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, we see the supernatural work of God and the new birth that we're born of the Spirit. We are new creatures in the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. No things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. The Spirit of God has made me. We're made by the Spirit of God. It's a supernatural work of the Holy Ghost to be born again. Ephesians 4, Paul writes, just looking at this new creature, Paul writes in Ephesians 4 and verse 24, that we're to put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We are created by the Almighty. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Spirit of God hath made me, Ephesians 2 and 8, it says these words, Ephesians 2 and verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Then this verse is so wonderful, it says, For we, we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. We are supernaturally created by the power of the Holy Spirit, that new birth created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The Spirit of God has made us. The Spirit of God has made us. And the prophetic of that was found in Ezekiel chapter 11, if you want to go back for a moment because I believe this is very important. In that new birth, in that new birth, in that new creature, it's such a unique thing, such a supernatural thing, the workmanship of God. But God prophesied here, and we know that he was also speaking to Israel, but bringing forth that new covenant in his blood. In Ezekiel 11 and 19, he says, I will give them one heart. Ezekiel 11 and 19, he says, I will put a new spirit within you. Then he said these words, this is so important, that I will take away the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. I don't know where you've ever heard the expression, he or she has a heart of stone. You ever heard that? That simply means, of course, that they're inflexible or there's a hardness in the receiving the spirit of truth and the revelation of God. And in that new birth, something unique happens to every one of us. All the same, we're given a new heart. We're new creatures in Christ. It's the same for us all. We're given a new heart and we're new creatures. And he gives us a heart of flesh. What does that mean, that we have a heart of flesh tonight? It simply means that we have the ability to receive from the Spirit of God all the fullness of Christ and what He has done for us and the impression of the Holy Spirit we come into meeting like this or in our personal time and bring the revelation or the truths of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And because He's given us a heart of flesh, we're able to receive of the great things of what the Lord has done, the mercies of God, 
the wonders of Calvary, the greatness of his love, the mercy of God that's higher than the heavens and deeper than the sea, and the, the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. And so a heart of flesh is able to receive the promptings and the impressions and the movings and the probings of the Spirit of God as he brings the revelation of Christ. The heart of flesh is pliable, it's sensitive, it's receptive, it's awakened, it understands in an enlightenment way the Spirit of God as he brings the mind of Christ into our hearts and we have the revelation of God. That's a heart of flesh. That heart is to be kept away from the things that would cause it to become hard so that it doesn't receive the revelation of truth and bring the fullness of the cross and the love of God to our hearts. He boots a heart of flesh that we can receive the fullness of Christ, the riches of His glory. And He brings them into our hearts and reveals them to us by the Spirit of God. That's what God boots within us, a heart of flesh. It says in Jeremiah 31 and 33, these words, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law in their inward parts, and I'll write it into their hearts, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people, a new heart, a new spirit, with new desires, and it's a new life. It says that the Spirit of God has made us he has made us. We're created. It's a new creation in Christ Jesus, and it's a heart of flesh. So we are able to receive what the Lord wants to put into our hearts tonight, what He wants to impress upon us, and the revelation that He wants to give us. It's a heart of flesh that receives that. And then He says, And the breath of the Almighty has given us life. The breath of the Almighty. The prophet Ezekiel was showing a vision. We know it very well in Ezekiel 37. But the Lord had heard that there was a people at this time. And the Lord had heard what they had said. He heard their words. God knows what their heart was. What they were speaking one to another. Do you know what they said? They said that our hope is lost. That's what Israel were saying. They were saying our hope is lost. And God heard them say that. God actually heard Israel speak to one another. Our hope, our hope is lost. And so God brings a prophet and brings a vision and brings a revelation to this valley of these bones. You know, the valley of the bones in Ezekiel 37. If you look at it for a moment, and it says right in the midst of that, because God responded to the cry of a people that said, our hope is lost. We have no hope. Where do we turn? Where do we go? And the Lord brings this vision right into the heart of a man who had a heart of flesh to be able to receive what God was hearing and then reveal it into the heart of this man, Ezekiel. In verse 11, as he stands there, the Lord says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried and our hope is lost and we are cut off our parts. Everything is broken. Everything is dry and our hope is completely gone. And verse 7, previous to that, we see that Ezekiel begins to prophesy. And there's a noise and there's a shaking and the bones come together. Verse 8 there in Ezekiel 37, if you follow it, says, And when I beheld, lo, the sinews in the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath. There was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy 
unto the wind, and prophesy, Son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they might live. Job says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. The prophet prophesied as he was commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived. How we need the breath of the Almighty. There is a world, and you know what they say? Our hope is lost. They're busy. They go about their business. They do what they need to do. But all around us, friends, the reality is they don't have the hope that we have. And they cry in the depths of their being and in their hearts, our hope, our hope is lost. No, God's looking for a people that are going to pray, prophesy to the wind, O God, blow. Breath of God, would you blow. And so as he prophesied, as he commanded, the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. Oh, how we need, we need a breath from the Almighty. Just a breath. All the activity of the enemy and all the maneuvering and manipulation of man, but just a breath of God. An exceeding great army stands up. How we need a breath or a wind to blow, not just an emotion, but actually a very sure and a very definite and a very real, and a very sovereign, and a very purposeful wind to blow. We need a sound, as it were, from heaven. Just like that upper room, there was a sound. There was a sound from heaven as a rushing. The Bible says it was a mighty wind. And that wind filled, or that the power of the Holy Ghost filled all the house where they were sitting, and the breath of the Almighty gives life. We need life. You know, the last, the last known outpouring of the Spirit of God in a sovereign act, I believe it is sovereign, but I know there's a connection and there's a mystery in some way. It's always in response to prayer to people that have sought to seek the Lord. Believe it's always instigated by God, created by God, because He finds a heart of flesh that's willing to receive what God wants to do and then puts that individual or that group into a place of beginning to seek the Lord. God instigates it, purposes it, carries it through and honors His Word, and then He breathes. But the last no one outpouring on these islands is 73 years ago. 73 years ago since there was a known outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We know it in the Isle of Lewis. Previous one to that was in 1904. In Wales, the nation of Wales experienced a mighty outpouring. And the previous one before that that we know of was in Ulster here in 1859. That's over over. Uh, 160 years ago. 
There's a famous preacher, his name's G. Campbell Morgan. He heard of the mighty breath of God all across Wales. He traveled down, I believe it was from London. He heard of what was happening and rather just hear about it. He says, I'm going to head down to Wales and see it for myself. The Sunday morning following, when he returned, he stood in his pulpit and he said these words, If you and I could stand above Wales, looking at it, you would see fire breaking out there, here, and yonder, and somewhere else. Without any collusion, without any prearrangement, it is a divine visitation in which God let me say this reverently, in which God is saying to us, see what I can do without the things you're depending on. See what I can do in answer to a praying people. See what I can do through the simplest who are ready to fall in line and depend wholly and absolutely upon me. One thing is clear. The revival was not the product of someone's personality or of another person's preaching or anyone's planning, but of God's gracious response to the prayers of his people. The breath of God, the breath of the Almighty has given me life. You know, more than anything more than anything, I believe what we need is just a breath from the Almighty. That He would just simply find a heart of flesh among us that is tender, humble, sensitive, willing just to hear and to sense the promptings of the Spirit in prayer and just to receive what God would want us to pray and how we should pray and pray according to His will that God, the Holy Spirit, would just breathe on this meeting. You know what happens when He breathes? The prophet said, these are the things that happened. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves. Think about it. So many all around us are in a place that's known as a grave. They're dead. They're without hope. They're without Christ. He will cause you to come up out of your graves. You'll know that I am the Lord. No one you'll know that he's the Lord when I've opened your graves. God opens the graves. Men and women like Lazarus are in graves tonight. They're bound with the sin of this world. They're dead in their sin. But you know what we need is a breath of God. We need to see those souls being born. We need to see graves being opened. We need to see grave clothes being taken off and set free. We need to see men and women delivered out of the bondage of sin and the taskmaster and the wickedness and the depravity and the breath of God, that new life. He giveth life. He says, you'll know that I've come and I've breathed when I open your graves. 
You know, friends, we need to pray that graves are opened. We need to pray that men would walk out of their graves, a place of death and of sin. He says, I will put my spirit in you. You shall live. You shall live. We need a breath, don't we? Don't we need a breath? You know, in all of it, we just need a breath. In all the activity and all the stuff of this world, we need a breath. We need a breath from the Almighty. Oh, that he would breathe in us, but not only in us, because it's not just about us feeling good about ourselves. It's not us just getting a touch. But friends, it's about a world around us that need the breath of God. Oh, that he would blow and breathe into our families. Anyone need a breath of God in our homes? Oh, that he would breathe on our children. Just a breath of God. I mean, there isn't anything too hard for the Lord. There isn't anyone that's too far gone. Praise God. There isn't anyone, even if they come across as hard on the surface, but you know, there's nothing like the breath of God. He melts mountains at his presence. So a hardened heart that's filled with sin and rebellion in a moment with the breath of God is softened and opened by the power of his Spirit. We need a breath of God for this town. We need a visitation of the Almighty. It seems, could I say it, it seems, Lord, that it's been too long. It's like we could say, how long, O Lord? It seems like it's too long since we had a visitation. And you know, in all our advancement of technology, all the intellectualism of man, so profound today, but none of that can ever compare to a breath of God. None of that can. Just a God breathing. Do you know what brings all man and all his pride and all his advancement it just brings him to his knees where he humbles himself and cries out that God would save him. With all their stuff, with all their things, and with all their gadgets, do we not need just a breath from the Almighty? We need a breath of God for this town. We need a breath of God for this nation. How we need the breath. The breath of the Almighty. That gives life. There's only one can give life. And do we not need a breath? A breath of God for the church. Does the church not need that God would breathe life? Life. His life. The Almighty would breathe in. Oh God, make our hearts like those hearts of flesh tonight. Don't let them be stony, cold. That stone that's cold or indifferent, can't receive anything, just hardened. But Lord, you've said you've given us a heart of flesh. That means it can receive from the Almighty. He wants us to receive from him tonight. Not just give, but he wants us to receive and then to pour out of what we have received. You know that hymn that we sang tonight, I... I'm, I've said it many times, I'll say it again, but I I just see it, every time we sing it, I just see it as our own our own land of where we're placed, where it says, there shall, there shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again, over 
I just see our nation when I sing these couple of lines over the hills and the valleys. The sound of the abundance of rain. Oh God, just breathe. No great prayers, but Lord, would you breathe. Breathe upon us. Breathe into our families. Touch us, Lord. Breathe into your church. Breathe into it. Life. Abundant life. That's what he's come to give through Christ. Abundant life. Oh, that he would breathe. Wonder could we ask him in prayer, Lord, would you send just a breath? Does anyone need a breath? The breath of God? Just to breathe upon us. Amen. Let's pray to you.